The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at buffalorumblings.com. The Buffalo Bills fell to the Philadelphia Eagles 31-13 this week, bringing their record to 5-2. As we approach the second half of the Buffalo Bills season, we're taking your questions here at Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. You can always call us and leave a voicemail 24 hours a day at 716-508-0405. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can send us messages on Facebook at Buffalo Rumblings, Twitter, Instagram at Buffalo Rumblings. You can email us buffalo rumblings at sbnation.com leave comments in the comment section of our show notes lots of ways to get in touch with the show as we move into the game against washington and beyond into the rest of the bill season the trade deadline is the same day this podcast release so let's get to these questions my five takeaways from the game against eagles start with the defense and we are officially worried about the defense after the last two weeks against the miami dolphins they let ryan fitzpatrick do a pretty good job of moving the ball down the field Uh, scoring points and then this week they got run all over by the Philadelphia Eagles run game to the tune of 218 yards it's a problem Um, the Bills had problems on the defensive line Uh, they really miss Harrison Phillips there uh, who was having a great season until he tore his ACL they were blocked at the second level Matt Milano and Trey Edmonds Uh, safeties picked the wrong pursuit angles or the wrong place to cover and you get you know 65 yard touchdowns to open the third quarter so it was just not a great game for the the bills run defense in particular with the wind being the way it was the bills defense really needed to step up in the run game and they weren't able to do that starla tulele who i've defended over and over again since he was signed by the bills has just not been very good this year I'm not going to talk a ton about the trade deadline on today's show just because of the timing of it, but I think this is a place where the Bills could really use an infusion of talent um, at at run-stuffing defensive tackle because now the book's out on them, and other teams are going to do the same thing to them over and over again if they don't figure out a way to stop it. My second 
take away from the game was uh, use the running backs more. Uh, the Bills just kind of stayed away from the running attack for a big chunk of this game. Uh, rookie Devin Singletary only had one touch in the entire first half, and, and Brian Dable explained that there were a couple passes that were designed to go to him in the first half, but they didn't because of the, the coverage, and that's still not enough. You've got this rookie running back who you're trying to build around, and you just have not been using him. You know, it's not an isolated incident in the game against the Eagles. Then you have at the end of the third quarter where Frank Gore opened a drive with two runs that netted 14 yards, and the Bills went to the air. They went seven straight passes, zero net yards, a turnover on downs, and a three and out. So that's seven plays. Seven incomplete passes or sacks or a two-yard gain, and and that was it. And it just it, it reeks of overpassing and, and putting too much on Josh Allen's plate right now. It's not like the Eagles were, you know, expecting a run and you're going past, or the the Bills were playing from behind. They they were behind, but they weren't desperately behind. So to abandon the run game that early was just very questionable. Not to mention all the running back or all the quarterback draws and running plays that he's been calling. My third point was about the turning point of the game, which was the two-minute drive uh, at the end of the first half. Uh, a bomb to Robert Foster, eight-yard run to Frank Gore, then a design QB sweep on third and two. Josh Allen had the ball pop out. The Eagles turned it into a lead because you know they, they were able to recover in Bills' territory and go down and score the touchdown before the half. It was a really backbreaking moment for the Bills, and we've we've seen Josh Allen get away from his interceptions over the course of the last couple weeks, but he's had these kind of damning fumbles, and he fumbled three more times on Sunday. He only lost one, but he's just been fumbling so, so frequently. He needs to protect the ball better, and especially if they're going to have him run as much as he does, he needs to really be on the lookout for those fumbles. If a running back was fumbling that much, we'd be calling for his head. We have to do the same thing for Josh Allen if he's going to be a runner. Speaking of Allen, uh, my fourth bullet point was that he had a pretty bad passing day. He was under 50% completion percentage. The wind wasn't doing him any favors, and he had a couple noticeable drops from his receivers, but he was just not very good at all. He um he was late to a throw on fourth and ten, uh, while the Bills were still in the game. John Brown uh, flashed open, and that's when he threw it instead of anticipating that Brown was going to make the cut. And it just it just goes to show how young he is. I wasn't expecting him to you know have this you know linear trajectory all the way up. He's been up and down, and that's what we expected. We need him to turn it around, especially in the turnover department. And in the fourth quarter, where he's been so good this year, he just wasn't able to get the passing game going. I, I sent out a tweet saying I thought this was going to be Josh Allen's first 300-yard game when the Bills were down by a couple scores in the third or fourth quarter, I think. And he just wasn't even able to get garbage time stats. They just weren't connecting at all, even when they were trying to make a furious comeback at the end of the game. And he's been so good in the fourth quarter, so I don't want to like pile on him. But they weren't able to get anything going on Sunday. My last bullet point just kind of shows how awful the team was as a whole because it's about the special teams. They had a bad third quarter kickoff that was returned to the 35, and a couple plays later, the Eagles ran it for 65 yards and a touchdown. Steven Hauschka missed a field goal, um, but he was competing with the wind. I get it. Um, it did push it just slightly right. Um, 
The second kickoff of the second half was returned to the mid-30s, too, and the Eagles were in scoring position after just one play. They had a an extra point attempt blocked by the Eagles in the third quarter. It was just not great all around. Corey Bajorquez did boom a couple punts, even into the wind, so that was pretty remarkable to see. But it just goes to show you that all three phases of the game weren't very good on Sunday. Let's get to your questions before we get any further into this episode. The question I'm getting a lot this week is, who's more responsible for the 31-13 loss to the Eagles, the Bills' offense or the Bills' defense? I think it's uh, pretty clear that the Bills' defense had a really bad game. They allowed a ton of rushing yards. They gave up. Even if you take away Josh Allen's turnover, they still gave up 24 points to the Eagles, uh, which is not a great game for them. And you have to always factor in some mistake from the offense. And not just because they're the Bills, but every offense makes mistakes. And so you have to, you know, taking away that that Josh Allen aided touchdown by the Eagles just doesn't make sense. So the, the Bills defense allowed 31 points. They allowed close to 400 yards of total offense from the Eagles. Even in the wind, it just it was not a very good effort from the Bills defense. And then on the other side, the Bills offense kind of pooped the bed in the second half in particular, where they just could not move the ball at all. They were going three and out, four and out, three and out. It uh, was not a great effort by the offense. So, I mean, everybody's to blame for this loss, in my opinion. Uh, You have a lot of folks calling for Brian Dable's head after the game, and I think we're going to get to a question solely about him a little bit later, so I won't go into it here. But I don't think that firing Brian Dable is going to be some some silver bullet that's going to be able to save the offense. Uh, And just like I don't think that Leslie Frazier should be fired because the Bills had a bad game on defense. I don't think they were unprepared. I don't think they had a bad game plan. I just think they didn't execute it well. And sometimes that's that's all it takes, and that's on the players. You know, whether it's Star Latulale getting blown out of a, a running lane on a 65-yard touchdown or Josh Allen fumbling the ball on a play that's supposed to get you three yards on third and two. It's execution, not design necessarily. And that's what I'm going to go with this week after the Bills lost to the Eagles. Let's go to Twitter for our first question. Uh, Sharon Brandy asks us, how does Dable still have a job? This is going to continue to be a problem. Too many QB runs called because he is clueless at play calling. Let's run down some numbers. The Bills are averaging 19.1 points per game. They have 346 yards of offense every game. They, let's see here, their yards per play is 5.4 yards per play. And I'm using per play and per game statistics because the Bills and other NFL teams have used, have played different amounts of games. So that's the the best way to kind of compare. They're 13th in turnovers. 
but that's um, a cumulative stat, not turnovers per game. Um, they're, they're just kind of in the middle of the pack as far as offense goes. And with a second-year quarterback playing as inconsistently as we've seen Josh Allen playing, I don't think that's necessarily bad. Now, I also don't want to get into the position of having to defend Brian Dable because I do think he calls too many running plays with his quarterback who just had a concussion and fumbles the ball a lot. And I think that the execution isn't always there, especially with Allen. And like I said earlier, when I was talking about that fourth and 10 play, John Brown was open. He had separation on his man. Allen threw it late. There there are times when guys are open. And whether it's the offensive line not giving Allen the, the ability to see that, or it's Allen not seeing it, or it's Allen throwing it poorly, or the wide receiver dropping the ball. There's been a lot of that execution problems so far. And I'm not saying that there's an easy fix for that, but you know, sometimes you just need Josh Allen to not be in his you know 17th or 18th NFL start. You need him to be doing something more. You need him to have more experience and you know not double clutch a ball or throw it late and wait for the receiver to make his break. Uh, like I said, I don't want to be in the the business of defending Brian Dable. I don't think he's been doing a great job, but I also don't think he's the problem. And when you look around the rest of the uh, Bills offense, you've got guys committing penalties, uh, putting them behind the sticks. You've got guys just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. I think especially the late game stuff has shown that he is capable of designing an okay offense and that the Bills are capable of executing it. They just aren't consistent with it. Thanks for your question at Rumblings Q&A on Twitter. We'll be right back after this quick break. To the comment section at buffalorumblings.com where Botface asks... What's the contract situation with Bill's secondary, and can we keep our three studs together for the next three to five years? Does it make more sense to just proactively extend them now, including Tredavious White ahead of his fifth-year option for cap flexibility? Let's start with Trey White, since you mentioned him specifically. I think it would probably be in the Bills' best interest to just give him the fifth-year option and go from there. Uh, He's, of course, played really well. That will be a nice contract for him. Uh, It gives them the ability to keep him under contract for one more year and then go beyond that. Um, If he's going to be looking for top cornerback money, that that fifth-year option is going to buy them another year um, at a controlled salary. It'll still be a very good salary, uh, but it will be a little bit more controlled than him asking for, say, like, you know, top one, two, three cornerback money in the NFL. Uh, I think that's going to be their biggest problem going forward is how they can keep Tredavious White happy uh, with with his next contract. Uh, it's going to be a pretty hefty contract, I would think, um, and especially because he kind of had an up-and-down year in 2018. So if he continues to play at a really high level in 2019, uh, he's going to want more. So I think the fifth-year option is probably the most likely scenario with him. And then they can negotiate a contract after that. Moving to Jordan Poyer, he's under contract in 2020. So they still have another year of him, but he's also going to be grossly underpaid. He's only going to be making $3 million next year in 2020. So if the Bills you know, wanted to give him a nice little signing bonus this offseason to take a contract extension, uh, I'm sure that Sean McDermott would be open to that idea. Um, 
you know, Poyer's 29 years or going to be 29 years old next year. So he's still got several good years ahead of him in that safety role. So I I definitely foresee a contract extension uh, with Poyer. And uh, it's going to depend on kind of the hometown discount thing of it, too. Um, They they've got a lot of money invested in that defense and with the addition of of Trey White to the higher paying guys uh, it's going to be something that they're going to have to look at going forward because eventually Tremaine Edmonds Matt Milano uh, they're going to need contracts they're going to need to figure out the defensive end rotation once Jerry Hughes decides to to retire um, they have to replace Jack Lawson so there's a lot of pieces on the defense that they're going to have to turn over at some point um, but I do think that you know a couple year extension for Jordan Poyer does make sense Micah Hyde is the glue of their defense, but he's also under contract until 2021. So he's got several more seasons to be patrolling the back of the Bills defense and uh, to be kind of the leader of that defensive backfield. Uh, He's going to be making $4 million in base salary in each of the next two seasons. So it would not surprise me at all to see Jordan Poyer get something in that neighborhood. Um, $4 million base salary plus, you know, a nice signing bonus. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all uh, to see that contract come to Poyer. Um, and then Micah Hyde stay on until the end of the 2021 season. And then maybe they draft uh, a guy going forward, uh, depending on you know kind of what happens with the Bills over the next couple of years and their head coach and everything like that. So, yeah, it, it makes sense to keep Trey White around. Um, it makes sense to extend Poyer. I think they're just going to stand pat with Hyde for a while uh, because he's got several more years left on his contract. Thanks for the question at buffalorumlings.com. <laughs> Darren on Facebook sent us a message. Uh, I see all these other NFL teams throwing the ball to receivers that are covered and their catch probability. So the question is, does Buffalo not trust their receivers to get those passes, or is that a play-calling decision that makes Josh Allen not throw those balls? I think it has more to do with uh, with Josh Allen not wanting to turn the ball over right now. He's not throwing a whole lot of contested balls uh throws to guys that are covered but at the same time you see him taking those deep shots like let's look at that one to Robert Foster at the end of the first half you know Foster was covered uh Josh Allen threw the ball it was short and if the Eagles receive or defender had come off the receiver he probably could have picked it off of course if Robert Foster had come back to the ball he could have also picked like actually caught the ball so that was one of those 50-50 catches um they haven't had to do that a ton. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I don't want to you know, dig on Dable so much is that he's really been scheming the guys open pretty well. And, and Colby's Lee being open or, or Devin Singletary being open, we don't see those you know, the, the passes down the field that are like the back shoulder, I don't know, high balls. We, if, if they are back shoulder throws, it's John Brown coming back to the ball. And it's not exactly what you're calling like that 50-50 kind of catch. So I, I don't think they've had a lot of need for that, and I don't think they're really built for that. Duke Williams is the only physical receiver on their roster, so they don't really have a ton of plays like Odell Beckham Jr. Just chuck it up, and you know he's going to come down with it or at least be able to knock it down. So we, we, the Bills just don't have a lot of those players on their roster, so they don't have a lot of those plays in their playbook. Thanks for the question on Facebook, 
at Buffalo Rumblings. Back to Twitter, where Mark asks us, why did they cut Shady for nothing? Well, I think after this last game, I don't know why this would be the time to ask that question. The Bills obviously aren't using their running backs very effectively now, so having LaShawn McCoy there kind of forcing their hand would make it even worse. Um, You'd see Devin Singletary inactive on game days, where TJ Yeldon was inactive on Sunday, and that's just not what you want to do with your up-and-coming running back situation. Um, He would have complicated the running backs, uh, no doubt. And if they can't get Frank Gore and Devin Singletary involved in the game, I'm not sure having LaShawn McCoy there where you have to getting him get him involved in the game or else he's going to have some sort of, I don't know, public blow up or in the locker room, say something. I, I don't think that would be beneficial to your young quarterback or your offensive coordinator. So again, this is just not really the week I understand this question, even though he did have a few carries for the Chiefs on Sunday night. And maybe that's kind of the correlation. He's certainly looked okay for the Chiefs, but I don't know if I want to pay $9 million to a running back who can't break a thousand yards and, you know, who really hasn't done a whole lot of, I don't know, game winning things for the Chiefs on offense and certainly wouldn't have been doing them for the Bills on offense. Thanks for your question at Rumlings Q&A on Twitter. Our last question takes a little bit of a dystopian turn. Uh, Ian on Twitter asks us, the defense was manhandled for the second straight game. The offense still cannot have an identity. Very simple, but completely open-ended question. Who have the Bills become? Well, on offense, I mean, I think they do have an identity. It's just not an identity a lot of Bills fans really like. They are a pass-first team. That's uh, fairly evident. Uh, even when the running backs are going well, they they keep trying to change it to, to passing um, and just moving the defense all over the field and keeping them guessing. There's certainly more options that you can do in the passing game than you can in the running game. So that's why offenses have gone to the to the air more over recent years in the NFL. And of course, the Bills are finally catching up to the 21st century. And a lot of people don't like that in in Bills land, especially when you see Frank Gore doing well. Um, I think there's a good mix. And this Bills offensive line is, is really well built for the run game. So I would like to see them closer to a 50-50 split. But they're certainly not there now. They are a very pass-heavy team, and that is their identity. On defense, I think they just got pushed around a little bit on the interior of the uh, defensive line. It was interesting because Leslie Frazier always talks about how they want to build their team from the front back, but really they've done the exact opposite. And while they have invested in Star Latulule, um, he has not been performing very well. And the defensive front really has been underperforming uh, under Sean McDermott. So... That's certainly an area we're going to look at over this offseason. Um, but that's who the Bills have become. They're a pass-first team that's designed to stop the pass. Thanks for your question. The Bills 
finish off their three-game homestand this week against Washington. They're 10-point favorites, and if they can't get to six wins this week, it's going to remind me a heck of a lot of 2008 when they completely fell apart. So let's cross our fingers and hope they can get that win this week. No matter what the outcome of the game, you can always contact us at 716-508-0405, tweet us at Rumlings Q&A, Facebook message, Instagram message, email buffalorumlings at sbnation.com. Uh, please tell all your friends about our podcast network at buffalorumlings.com. We've got lots of great shows for all different types of Buffalo Bills fans. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.